Okay, so today we're, um, we're doing a talk on invoking the power of the cross. You know, um, some definitions, I don't know if you know what it means to, in, to invoke something. Um, uh, you know, it would be like calling on the established law to be enforced. Appealing to an authority to enforce what they've decreed. And so, like, uh, you know, if our constitution says blue and we're experiencing red... We can call on, we can invoke the power of the Constitution to enforce the authority that it's given us. Does that make sense? So likewise, there are some things that were accomplished and done in the cross of Christ that they are there, but they actually have to be invoked. And so like, just like we're in a situation now where a lot of uh, churches in different places and free speech is you're seeing a lot of attack on constitutional rights because the Constitution hasn't been fully invoked and hasn't been fully enforced. And so likewise, there are a lot of things that we've received in Christ that are paid for, that are written down, kind of like our Constitution is written down. But we actually have to go and invoke those things to experience them. Because it's possible to live in the United States and not get the full experience of the, con- of the American Constitution. Likewise, you can have the Christian life in Christ and not experience the full benefits of the cross of Christ. Where we can go and live life without what Jesus paid for. And still be an American, I mean, we'd still be a, we're still a Christian. We're just like we're still an American citizen, even though we're not experiencing the benefits of our country. Okay? So, what Jesus has done for us on the cross is shown in Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 13. Through 15 is what I'm going to read. There's, there's that whole, Colossians 2 is is dynamite. So, I mean, you should just read that whole chapter. But I'm going to zero in on, um, <coughs> on these two verses. When you are dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile toward us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Verse 15. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. And so this is talking about what Jesus did. This is the spiritual victory that he had over Satan at the cross. He triumphed over him. He canceled out the decrees. What's Satan? He's the accuser of the brethren. Jesus canceled out those accusations. He canceled out those decrees that wage war against us. And so just like we can... uh, you know, live life and Satan can be accusing us and we can live under a spirit of shame when we've lived, lived in sin, when we've lived a life in sin you know, or we've spent a life struggling before the cross. You know, a lot of times we can live on that same accusation after the cross, never get that sense of shame lifted off of us. We can stay under that condemnation. You know, Paul talks about this journey in Romans 6 and 7 and then it opens in, verse, in, uh, in chapter 8 that there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Meaning because you've been brought out of darkness and into the light, those things, the, the weight of sin that weighed on you, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation. This is what Jesus paid for, to bring you out. Jesus, The Bible says that those decrees against us, the Bible says it was nailed to the cross. And so we need to be aware of what was na- nailed to the cross. We need to be aware that that, that was a finished work. And so... That's part of why we, when we take communion today, that's really what we're doing. 
we're taking it in remembrance of what Jesus did for us. Jesus didn't die for us this morning when we took communion. He died for us 2,000 years ago, 2,000 plus years ago, right? He died for us then, but we're invoking the power and the authority of what he paid for on the cross to be manifest in our life. And so it's a good thing to take communion on a regular basis, to just remember what Jesus paid for in his body, that he paid the price for, for sickness, for shame, for, for disease. And so if you wrestle with those things or you wrestle with the fear of COVID, you know, half the virus is the fear of the virus. And so if you wrestle with those things, a tool, a point of contact that God has given us is the power of communion. And you can go and invoke, call on God to enforce the work of Christ in your own body. And that we can go into environments that are contaminated and come out and not be touched. It's the difference. It's the, it's the, it's the, 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 the message of the gospel. Jesus, you know, had he touched someone, a leper, according to Old Testament custom, they would be, he would be considered unclean. But the gospel is that Jesus touched the leper and the leper became clean. It's the complete reverse. This is like how we are light in the world. How we can go into environments and be a blessing. You know, Matthew uh, is working. He's being a blessing using his gifts to serve people. And he can come out of that environment, you know, squeaky clean. This is invoking the power of the cross. Likewise, the blood. Uh, you know, this is a lot of, there's a lots of teachings that are out there now about like, you know, uh, uh, you know, generation curses and, and bloodline curses and bloodline things. And those things are our reality, but when you come into relationship with Christ, you're brought into a new, new bloodline. You're brought, into, you're brought under the blood of Jesus. Like, if, is there a generational curse of poverty in the natural? Maybe so. But the power of the cross is that it cuts that line. That's what the blood of Jesus does, is it cuts it. But if you want to experience that cut, you have to invoke the blood of Christ. And so it's possible to be a Christian and still be experiencing that heritage until you invoke the blood. Like it requires, God, I've, I plead the blood of Jesus over this, and I cut this. I come, and in Jesus' name, I come against all those universal curses. I come against that poverty, that immorality, that occultism, that, this, that uh, wrong world, secular spiritualism. You know, I, I cut that because I'm in the blood of Christ. It's a, it's a shift. It's invoking the cross. And so I'm going to pull a passage today. We're talking about Rahab and how this worked out for her. Uh, this is a story from Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to read pretty much the whole story. And so Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, uh, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went there and came into a house of a harlot whose name was Rahab and lodged there. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. But the woman had taken two men and hidden from them. And she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark, that the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up on the roof, up, up to the roof and hid them in the stalks of flax, which she laid in order on the roof. 
so the men pursued them on the road to Jordan, uh, to the fords. As soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, she shut the gate. Okay, so just, just kind of repeat. We have spies coming out, spying out the land. They come to Rahab's house. Rahab's a sinner. She's a harlot. They come to her house. She takes them and hides them up in her roof. There's an order looking out for these guys. She disobeys the order, hides the guys. And when the, the king's officials came, said, hey, where are the guys at? And she's like, uh, you know, they came, but they had to go, you know, something. Came went. And they left, but they, she had hid them in her house. Verse 8. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof. So before they went to sleep. Verse 9. And said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of, out of Egypt, and, when you di- and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. So they had gotten word of, of how the Israelites had been overcoming. I mean, they had been delivered from Pharaoh. They crossed the Red Sea. They had, they had done some wild things. And, they had, and had been, they'd been told, heard stories about what God was doing for them. And it made her, made her a little nervous, you know, that, hey, these guys are spying out our land. They're fixing to come and overtake us. And so rather than get overtaken, overtaken she thought she'd make a deal and hide them. <laughs> Verse 11, when we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's household, and give me a pledge uh, a truth, and spare my father and, and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. So the man said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours. And it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window. For her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. She said to them, go to the hill country, so that the pursuers will not happen upon you. And hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return. Then afterward, you may go on your way. The men said to her, We shall be free from this oath to you, which you have made, made, up, made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down, and gather to yourself into the house uh, your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. It shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. If a hand is laid on him. But if you tell us business of ours, then we shall be free from this oath which you have made us swear. She said, According to your words, be it. She sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So she hides the spies, hides them up in the roof. She works a deal with the guys and says, Hey, I was nice to you, so when you come and overtake our land, how about saving my family? And they're like, Yeah, let's do it. Here's the deal. We're going to come for your land, and when we overtake it, the only way we're going to be able to save you and your household is, one, everyone stays in your house. Two, you have to let this scarlet thread hang out from your window. And it should be, when we come back, and we come to overtake your land, if that thread is there, no one's going to come and touch your house. 
But if that thread isn't there, tough. So a promise had been made for Rahab, and she had a responsibility to put that thread out there. And if she did not do that, she was going to get taken out. She was gonna, they were going to come after her, and, and just like anyone else, there would be no difference between her and her family and the rest of the people outside. She had a responsibility to put that thread in the window. And, and for those that she wanted saved, she had a responsibility to keep them in the house. And so there was a decree established, but it was on her responsibility to invoke the power of that decree. It's the same way with the blood, of, blood of, the, of the cross. It's the same way with the cross of Christ. God has done some things for us. He has delivered us from a lot of things. But if we want to experience them, there is a responsibility that we have to take and apply the blood. So this scripture, this passage is full of symbolism. Um, so let's talk about some symbols in the story. The spies that came, they represent God's kingdom on the earth. You know, they're the sons of Israel. So when she receives them into her house, in essence, she's receiving the kingdom of God into her house. You know, this is Luke 10. You go door to door, knocking on doors, you know, and they say, hey, can I bring a blessing over your house? And y'all heard the way we do it. Say, can I bring the blessing in your house? They say, sure. And when they say, when they open the door and say, bring the blessing, they're saying, I've received the kingdom of God. That's what's happening here. When the sons of Israel came into her house, she received them into her house, into her house. And then it says she took them up on the roof. I think some translation says it's, it's the attic. you know. But this represents a hidden place, the secret place. Taking, that, taking the kingdom of God and taking it deep into a hidden place in your heart. Bringing it up to them. And then there's the, uh, there's the window. The window is a place of access. You know, Malachi 3.10, uh, it talks about the, the tithing. It says bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. So there may be food in your house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. And it's talking about opening up a realm of access. A lot of people do not have access because the windows are not open. And you have to do your part to do the window, keep the windows open. Amen. And so likewise for, for Rahab, the, the window in this story is about access. Because how did, the, how did the, the spies get down? It was through the window. This is a place of access. This is a place where the kingdom of God comes and goes. There has to be ongoing access with the Lord. So there's the symbol of, of a spy that represents the kingdom. She brought him into her house. We represent receiving, receiving the kingdom of God. We have the window, the place of access. We have the roof um, uh, symbolizing the, the secret place or the hidden place of the heart. And then we have this scarlet cord. This is symbolic of the bloodline of Jesus. Of the blood of Jesus, the scarlet thread. After she accepts them, she was given the task to tie the scarlet cord in the window. Making a tie. Making a covenant with God. Making an agreement with God. Binding to what's of Jesus to her home. And that blood, that scarlet thread, became the very thing that delivered her from her family. But this is exactly what it's like to invoke the power of the blood of Christ and is that we have to make a covenant with it. We have to make an agreement with it. Our agreement with it, like making the, tying the knot, our agreement, if it's not happening, if it's not flowing through our mouth, we don't get to experience the benefits of the cross. And uh, is it a finished work? Yes, it's finished. It's a full work of grace. Jesus has completely done it, but we're ha that grace has to be invoked in our life. 
And if it doesn't, I mean, otherwise you would have people who, uh, I mean, there are some grace teachings out there now where people no longer confess their sin. People no longer make a confession of Jesus because that's considered, they would consider that a work of the law. And then people no longer, uh, you mean you don't have to be baptized, you don't have to, you don't have to do the commission, you don't have to do anything because it's all done in Jesus. And all, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an error to say it's just all done and you have no responsibility. But Jesus gave us authority and the commission, and every time God gives us authority, he always gives us responsibility. Because all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now therefore go. I'm sending you out with authority, but with the responsibility to go and make disciples. Teaching them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like There is a direct connection between what God has done for us and gaining authority, giving us authority, and our responsibility to carry it out. I, you know, a lot of people don't, don't like this part because it means what I have in God needs to be demonstrated in my experience with people. And this is when like, our, we can't be religious any longer. We can't play games. You can't play church. You can have this church thing with God, but if it doesn't carry out out here, it, it, the Bible says when you when you hear when you're a hearer only and you're not a doer, you deceive yourself. That's a problem, man. Like we can we can't be religious. Like what we have in God, it must be demonstrated in, the, in our life with people. It has to show up. Whatever authority we think we have in God, let's go see how much we actually have. Like there's a difference between authority. And real authority and assumed authority. This is why we need to go lay hands on the sick and see us miss it once in a while. Like, I, I, we're privileged to see, like, a lot of deaf ears open. Like, we've just, our, my, Jonathan's seen uh, deaf ears open in Walmart. Like, we've, we've seen a lot of deaf ears open in our, in our household. But there are a lot of other things that we prayed for that we did not get breakthrough, breakthrough in. And honestly, I need to see those areas. I need to see it when I don't get breakthrough as much as I need to see the breakthrough. Because when I don't get breakthrough, it requires me to go back to God and say, Lord, your word says that by your stripes they're healed. I invoke the power of the blood of Christ to work in me so that when I lay hands on the sick, they will recover. And then I go and I step out and I do it again. Oh, well, I saw a little bit of breakthrough, but there for a while I was always seeing healings, but it was never 100%. Like it was just enough where you kind of felt bad about testifying about it. Like, hey, they were in so much pain and it got down to like a four. Or they were in so much pain, it got down to a two. I mean, you ever had a testimony like that? You almost feel bad for testifying because you didn't really have the whole thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a finished thing. And, like, and you go back to God, like, God, you said I would lay hands on the sick and they were recovering. What's this two? What's this two level of pain? What's this four level of pain? What's this partial death thing? You know? And it makes you become real that what you have in God has to become a reality. you got to go back to the secret place. Say, so God, hey, this is what you said. You know? God, God protects us from religion. Mm-hmm. And the only way, but he protects us when, we, when we're obedient to his commands. If we, don't, if we won't be obedient, we're, we are as liable to anybody else, to religion. And religion will, will swallow us up if, if, we don't, if we don't obey the commands of Jesus. O- obedience to Jesus cleans us out of, the, of religious pride. Because it's a humbling thing when you tell someone, I'm going to lay hands on you and you're going to get better. And they get 50, 50% better. You know? And you just tell them, hey, I love you. I know this is what Jesus says. I'm going to stay believing with you. Let's, let's continue to believe what God's going to do. And you go back and say, Jesus, they, they came for an encounter with you. And 
they only got 50%, Lord. They came for an encounter with you, and they got me. Look, we got to change this. They came for an encounter with you, God. I pray that when they come with an encounter with you, they would have an encounter with you. And not, don't experience this. Experience you. Yeah. Experience Jesus. Yeah. It's invoking the cross. It, it keeps us right. Um, um, and so, this is a powerful, powerful thing. Uh, some more symbolism is... Uh, is uh, they actually went up to a different floor. I mean, you have bottom floor welcoming the, uh, the spies. And then her deliverance came from the deal she made with, made with these guys when she actually brought them up to the second floor. How do you know when the apostles, when the disciples were sent out, Jesus said, go out and go lay hands on sick and do all the stuff. They said, oh, before you go, tarry in Jerusalem. And wait until you receive the promise from the Father. Mm. And they go and they sit in a place. And then when they went up to another level, they went to a second place. And there they received the promise from God. And it was just like that with Rahab. It's when she brought him up. Now we got some life flowing. Now Jesus just isn't in your heart, but now he's... He's, he's moving in your life. Man, we got to do the same thing with God. Like, it's, it's not just bringing Jesus into our life. we got to have an upper room experience. Amen. Like, we've got to go after it. Like, I, I'm going after it. You know, that's the direction I'm going. Like, I, I've received a measure from Christ, but I've, I don't believe I've received everything for me to walk in the fullness of my calling just yet. I've, I'm, not, I'm not currently manifesting that. If it's all done, well, praise God, it's all done. I'm not currently manifesting the fullness of my calling. And so I'm going to pursue it and then step out, and I'm going to pursue it, and I'll step out, because if I don't step out, there's no way you can ever measure I'm with you. How, am I, how are we doing here. We've got to go do this, and then we've got to step out. That's why outreach is essential. Man, this is an essential service for us, because we have to carry this out. Otherwise, we're, we're messed up in religion, man. We've got to go out and lay hands on some people, go knock on, we don't have houses, we've got tents. We go knock on the tent and say, hey, can I bless your tent? You know, carrying this out, the disciples had an upper room experience. Rahab brought these uh, spies, received the kingdom of God, brought it into an upper room experience. Uh, let's look in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. This is the other, the other part of the story. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. They were on shutdown. Here, quarantine. Quarantine. <laughs> Jericho on quarantine, right here. Side note, Rahab disobeyed the government order to turn in the, the disciples. She recognized a different kingdom was at play and hid them instead. In Hebrews 11, it's regarded as a work of righteousness. Just a thought. Verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant orders. Verse 3, you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow its trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every, every man straight ahead. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let the seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. Verse 7. 
Then he said to the people, go forward and march around the city and let the armed men go on before the ark of the Lord. And it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. So this is a rowdy group of people. So, I mean, the, the sons of God should be a rowdy group of people. I think we should be a rowdy group of people. I mean, this is wild. Marching around the city, blowing trumpets and doing all this crazy stuff. And so, I mean, that, that, uh, when we first started seeing breakthrough in, uh, this, in, in our Brownwood Walmart, it came around the time we actually did a march around Walmart. <laughs> and we marched around it seven times. A big super Walmart. It was a lot of walking. We did it at night walked around Walmart pouring oil, and when we came to the front of Walmart, we gave up a shout. People, people in our college group started getting hired by Walmart, and uh, we started seeing all this breakthrough. Joel got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that was then? That was, in, that was all the same season. Yeah, and so it's amazing what you get. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm into prophetic acts. I'm into the cool stuff. I mean, I, I think it's so much more fun to be a charismatic. I think it's, just, it's, more, it's quite more entertaining, you know. <laughs> it's a little more exciting. You know, like, let's go, let's go pour some oil on something. Let's go, you know. I, I've heard people flying in helicopters, pouring oil, drums of oil out of the helicopter. Like, you know, sometimes you just got to do something prophetic on the earth to get breakthrough in the spirit. And you just got to do something. Go shake it up. It, me- it messes with the devil. He doesn't like you doing physical yeah. stuff. Lay hands on your property. Lay hands on your car. Bless your gas mileage, Walter. You can go bless that gas mileage, you know. <laughs> Verse 9. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and their rear guard uh, came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. Verse 10. But Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until I tell you, Shout. Then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once. Then they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Now Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while they continued to blow the trumpets. Thus the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. And they did this for six days. Six days, man. What? That's like contending. You know, sometimes we, I think we've missed out on a lot of contending. You know, like contending is a good thing. But just by observation, you know, I've watched big ministries get pioneered and launched like over like the past like three or four decades like you look back and look at history or go back and look deeper and you can see the pioneers were contenders and a lot of times the ones that inherit what was pioneered they 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 have some like the uh, sonship in their heart but they don't have the same muscle of contending developing a contending muscle in your spirit is a good and healthy thing contending is what's happening. When I'm going and we pray and we're only getting like half the miracle, that's contending. Contending is going back to saying, Lord, I'm not satisfied with half the miracle. Or I'm, I've received a, a measure of, of baptism, but I'm not like, it's not flowing. God, I'm going back. It's contending. It's a healthy thing. It works something in you um, that, that's healthy. It, it sustains you during difficulty. It sustains you during trials. It sustains you during uh, attacks. 
and uncertainties, you really start finding like your own walk with God when you start contending. When you get alone with God, you've got to work something out. Just contending. Six days going after it. Then on the seventh day, they, arose, they, they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Only on that day they marched around the city seven times. At the seventh time when the priests blew their trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. This is the other side of, of the contending, is that you have to step out. If you don't step out, if you don't shout, you don't get the breakthrough. It doesn't happen. It doesn't just show up. You have to go and, and, and step out. It, it, you have to go, and when you have that opportunity to, to speak or preach, you have to go to show up and preach. Or you have to go out and lay hands on the sick. Or if the Lord gives you prophetic word, and you know, Lord speaking, Lord speaking, and I never, I never share. You're just hearing the Lord. Praise God. You're hearing God, but you're not getting the release. Go out and speak the word. Speak it out. Take what you have and use it. You know, that's part of what, what we want to do here is we want to have everyone activated in some form of serving, whether it be making sandwiches or sharing your testimony. Like, we got to find a way to get what's coming in out. Because if we don't find a way, if it doesn't find a way out, it, it's, it's a dead sea. You know, it's a, it, it, there's no outflow of life. It's not healthy for you. Jesus told his disciples, I have more things to tell you, but you can't handle it right now. We got to get this stuff flowing out of you. And so what's coming in has, has, to become, uh, has to become manifest by the outflow, the outworking of the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, the city shall be under ban, it and all its belongings to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all who are with her in the house shall live, because she hid the messengers who were sent. She got what she would believe for. She put the scarlet out there, and they, they knew when they were coming, look for that thread. Keep your eyes on the, on the activity of that woman. And everyone who's connected to her, if they're in her household, they be spent. It says the city was under ban. I don't know. This sounds like this sounds too familiar to me. I mean, this feels like, like kind of real life happening. You know, the city was under ban. It and all its belongings, uh, it and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab and all those who are in her house shall live because she hid the mistress who, whom... Uh, uh, whom we sent. And so I believe this really speaks of the remnant of God in the last days. I think this speaks of us right now. That we are preserved in the midst of shutdown. That we're preserved in the midst of bans. We're preserved in the midst of these of things that are happening. That we can not only survive but thrive. But as for you, keep yourselves from the things under the ban so that you do not covet them and take some of the things under the ban and make the camp of, the, camp of Israel a curse. And bring trouble on it. Verse 19, but the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go up into the treasury of the Lord. And so this is a lot of what we've been talking about, about making God first. Breaking the attachments to the natural. It belongs to the Lord. Like we, We've got to get under the lordship of Jesus. We can't, if we hold on to this world, I mean, it doesn't work out well. You know, you've got to break that, that tie connect to God, and then it's all, it's all His, because you're His. Verse uh, 20, So the people shouted, and the priests blew their trumpets, and when all the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. 
They utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox, and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the harlot's house, this is Rahab, and bring the woman and all that she has out of there, as you have sworn to her. Deliverance. Absolute deliverance. This is what the blood of Jesus does for us. It's designed to bring freedom into our life. Whatever is holding you captive, it can, you can be set free by the blood of Jesus. When we take the blood for communion, when we take the little grape juice and we remember the blood, uh, that, that is a point of deliverance. That's a point of contact to receive deliverance in our life. Like, I believe, and let's lay hands and cast out demons. I'm, I'm into it. Let's pray and believe for it. But I'm also like, let's use the cross, too. Don't miss out on it. When you take communion, say, Jesus, I thank you for everything you paid for me on the cross. I thank you, Lord, for absolute freedom in every area of my life. This is the gospel. There is victory in your blood. I'm telling you, say these things out loud. Use your word. Like, speak it out. Speak it out. Get, don't just think it. Say it. I'm telling you, say it. Believe it in your heart and say it. And you're going to see some supernatural stuff happen. And you can go and you can experience deliverance. But God, I'm, I'm tired of obsessing about this. I'm tired of being stuck in this. I'm telling you, communion. It's real. Uh, so the young men who were spies went in and brought out Rahab. They brought her deliverance. And her father and her mother and her brothers and all that she had. That They also uh, brought out all their relatives and placed them outside the camp of Israel. This is a powerful thing. This is your household getting saved. So, I mean, these are powerful scriptures to hold on to for your family, for all of our family, that my children will know the Lord. That's what Joshua said, as for me and my house, you guys can serve all your idols, but as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Amen. The promises of God are for us and our, and our household. Let's believe for it. They burned the city with fire and all that was in it, only the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. However, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all she had, Joshua spared. And she lived in the midst of Israel to this day. For she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out of Jericho. It says she lived in the midst of Israel. It's shifting kingdoms. Man, we can experience a completely different kingdom in the earth right now. You know, I mean, I, had, I was talking with the one of my uh, counterparts on the phone the other day, and I was, I was actually in, in Reynosa when we were talking, and they were just saying, you know, you, you sound so happy. This is a, a lady, she's been trying to convert me to become Catholic. Um, <laughs> she's, uh, she, uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, so we have interesting theological discussions. Um, she's like, you sound so, so happy on the phone. I just didn't know, like, man, we can be happy. And the rest of the world, like, if you watch the news more than 10 minutes, you can kind of pretty well count on going down. But, I mean, like, I'm telling you, you can be happy right now. This can be the happiest time of your life. The joy of the Lord, man, is our strength. The joy of the Lord is a witness, man. It is a witness right now. Mm -hmm. For us to be happy, to be smiling, you know, it lets people know that, like, well, the world isn't gonna die tomorrow you know <laughs> you know like it's it's gonna be a, we're gonna get through it you know it's a witness she lived in um, in the midst of israel this is a harlot in the wrong kingdom by the scarlet thread was brought out of that kingdom into a new kingdom living in it 
This is what happens with us. We're born again, brought into a complete new kingdom, taken out of darkness and into his marvelous light, living in a different realm in this realm. That's the power of the cross, man. Verse 26, Then Joshua made them take an oath at that time, saying, Cursed before the Lord is the man who rises up and builds this, this city Jericho. With the loss uh, of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation, and with the loss of his youngest son, uh, he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. This verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30 and 31. Verse 30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down, and after they had encircled, uh, after they had encircled for seven days. Verse 31, By faith. Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient. After she had welcomed the spies into her house. We are really living in like a time of divine tension. Of kingdoms. For the kingdom of heaven is coming into this world. That prayer, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, is becoming a reality. And... A lot of people may believe that the church is looking really bad, but I would say that the true church is looking really, really good. The true church is getting sharper. It's getting stronger. I think uh, a false church is being exposed. Hebrews chapter chapter 12, verse 28. says, Therefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us show gratitude which we may offer to God, Acceptable sacrifice with reverence to others, for our God is consuming fire. This is really the, the point that we're at with God is there's no middle of the road any longer. There's no riding the fence with our faith. There's no riding the, faith, the fence with our Christianity. Like either we are consumed by him or we are not consumed by him. There is either we are on fire or we are not doing anything at the moment. Like it's, a, it's actually a, not a safe place to not be on fire for God. It's actually a dangerous place. It's not, it's not a chill. It's not a middle of the road. It's, Revelation says you're neither hot nor cold. I spew you out of my mouth. That's not a good place to be in in the last days. Maybe a hundred years ago. I don't know how it worked out. But I know right now we're like in 2020 and Jesus could come back like on Thursday. And like so, yeah. So, I mean, now's not a good time to be like not on fire for God. And how do you get on fire On fire for God? It's be consumed. We have to give them something worth burning. We want to be on fire for God. We take something and lay it down on the altar. The Bible says that, that God lights the altar on fire, but it's the responsibility of the priest to keep it burning. And so for us, we stay fueling the fire. What else can I lay down for you, God? What am I holding on to that I have not yet laid down? If you're like, God, I just want more of you, and that person has more of you, and this person has more of you, and I feel like I don't have this. Like, what do you have to lay down on the altar? Like, you've got something to put there. And if you'll put it on there, he will light it on fire. And he'll cook it up, man. He's into it. If, you, if you're attached to something in the world, if you're attached to, to worldly music, or you're attached to, to worldly things, like we're talking about the past three weeks, Unplug from those things and give it to the Lord and see what He'll do. When you allow yourself to be consumed, that is the upper room experience. That is the, the, the spies going up to the upper room. That is the disciples 
going up into the upper room. It is preparing yourself for an upper room experience. And unfortunately, it, not everyone gets it. It's just not true. Not everyone gets to be on fire for God. To say that you do is wrong. Not true. 500 people waited in that upper room. How many got it? 120. That means there are 380. The majority actually did not. So Jesus says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow be the path of life. Man, when Jesus was preaching to the multitudes in John 6, all these people, broad net, everyone was following him. And what's he say? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And out of a multitude, 12. I mean, Jesus kind of thinned out the crowd, you know? Like, this is, you know, to, to follow Christ, you know, we did, actually did that Bible study last week on Matthew 10, right? Go read Matthew 10. It's no joke. This is like an elite group of people that are following Jesus. It is a, a select group of people. It is a remnant that God has in the earth that are going to follow after him and say, I don't want this world anymore. I deny this world and I want to follow you. That is making those choices, being, a cons- being consumed by his fire, acknowledging the work of the cross. This is invoking the work of, of the cross in our life. And it causes fruitfulness. It causes us to be like Rahab. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. We are salt in the earth. We become essential again, praise God. You know, like, it, it, that's the church. The true church is, is so necessary right now. There is a voice of hope that is essential right now. Or I'm telling you, the world would just sink into depression and with no hope of return without the voice of the church. But the church speaking hope, the church speaking life, man, we can, we can resurrect this thing. We can turn a lot of these people around. We can catch them. Before they go down, before they can't turn back anymore, you know? Before they, the Bible says, what's the big deal if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? I mean, there's people out there who have gained the world and lost their soul. And we, you know, I don't know how we get it back at that point. But there's still some that we can, we can go save. And we can go get them. And if, if we spend time in intimacy with Jesus, that's the heartbeat of Jesus. He says, go get them. Go get them. Now, the testimonies this morning were, I lost this, and I found this. I lost this, and I found this. I lo-. You know, the Bible in Luke 15, it talks about the parable of the lost coin. How we rejoice over, over finding that one coin. And how we leave 99, we leave the multitude to go get that little one. This is the gospel. This is the power of it. And so I, I want to encourage you uh, at this point, like, man... Let's be on fire for God. Whatever you're holding on to, man, bring it to God's feet. Let it burn, man. And that, the benefit of bringing that to God is you, you catch on fire for Him. And you burn for Him. You, you become excited. You, you have life in your walk. You have life in your devotion. You have life in, in, in your home. That's the great exchange. So let's pray and uh, we'll go from there. Holy Spirit. God, I give you thanks this, this morning for, for your presence here among us, Lord God. Uh, thank you, Lord, for, for your word. Uh, let's come forward, Lord. Jesus, we just we acknowledge the work of the cross. Father God, if there's anything that we need to bring to the cross, Lord Jesus, 
God, I pray you would speak to us right now. Speak to us, God. What is it that we're holding on to? God, what is it that keeps us from being on fire for you, God? God, what is it? I ask you, Lord, just to speak to us right now. Speak to us, Jesus. Speak to us, Father.